Amen. All right. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. And as you're finding your way there, I want to catch you up uh, on where we've been so far. We've been walking through this letter uh, to the church in Corinth from the Apostle Paul. And, you know, God was blessing the church in Corinth in a variety of ways, in many ways. However, there were some serious problems. And so Paul wrote this letter to bring some correction uh, to address these problems, to help the church you know, represent Jesus well to uh, Corinth. And so as we move into chapter 15, Paul is transitioning away from dealing with how the church was conducting itself when it gathered for worship to something they were tempted to believe about the gospel, uh, specifically the resurrection of Jesus. And so over the next two Sundays, we're going to dive into this issue and explore this issue they were having there in Corinth. So hopefully you found uh, 1 Corinthians 15 by now in your Bibles. And so I want you to follow along as I read verses 1 through 11. Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. May God bless the reading of his word. I want to give you a scenario that's going to help us maybe unpack this passage a little bit. Let's say you have a friend that uh, asks you to grab lunch with them. And uh, they say, you know, I want to meet with you for lunch uh, and I want to talk about spiritual things. And you say, okay, which is a little little side note, a little tangent here. When you ask someone to meet for lunch or whatever, it's always good to let them know what you want to talk about. Especially as the pastor. Like, if you want to meet with the pastor, give me a heads up on what you want to talk about. Because if you don't, there's all kinds of things I could be thinking about that you might want to talk about. So give me a little heads up. So this is nice of your friend to say, you know, I want to meet for lunch and I want to talk about spiritual things. So you decide which day you're going to meet, which restaurant you're going to meet, this person, uh, what time you're going to meet. And so uh, you gather together, you sit down at the table, you order your food. And after you order your food, your friend says to you, you know, I recently had a friend uh, die of cancer and that really shook me up. And it got me thinking about uh, just what happens when you die. And he goes on to say, you know, I believe there's a God and I believe that there's more to life than this life. Uh, But I'm concerned, you know, about what's going to happen to me. When I die and I know you go to church. And so I thought maybe you might be able to uh, answer a question for me. 
And so here's my question, he says. My question is, uh, what do I need to do to go to heaven? Now, if you were having lunch with your friend, uh, what, would you, what would you tell your friend? Well, you may say something like this. Well, you, well, you need to uh, place your faith in Jesus. And then he might say, well, um, how does placing my faith in Jesus uh, get me to heaven? Like, how does that work out? Um, so what would you say then to him? Well, you may uh, quote even um, 1 Corinthians 15, 3. So find that. And because what you're going to say is you might say something like, because, you know, you need to place your faith in Jesus because, you know, you need your sins forgiven. And Jesus made that possible. And then you may reach into your uh, your your memorization bank of scripture and pull out first Corinthians 15, three and say this. Christ died for our sins. You may tell him that. And then your friend would say, you know, sorry, I have so many questions, but um, let me ask just a few more based on what you just said. First question, what is sin? Christ died for our sins. Well, what does that mean? Uh, and then the second question is, how does Jesus dying make it possible for me to be forgiven of sin? Like, how does that work? Uh, and how would that get me into heaven? Well, right at that moment, the waitress comes and fills your glass up with water, very timely, because you grab it, you start taking some sips, and you, you're thinking to yourself, how are you going to respond to your friend? So after pausing for a little bit, you say, well, let's, uh, let's look at those. Those are some great questions you're asking, by the way. And so let's take the first one, at least attempt to. Uh, your first question was, you know, what, what is sin? You know, sin is uh, doing things, you may tell him this, you know, sin is doing things that God doesn't want you to do, like lying and cheating and stealing and killing people, murder. And, uh, but you know, sin is more than that. Uh, sin is not just doing things that are wrong in God's sight. Uh, sin is actually living life apart from God. So it actually can encompass everything that you are. It's, it's building your life on something other than God. And you know, sin is not simply just wronging someone or doing something that maybe makes your life uh, less fulfilling or damages your life in certain ways. That's not simply what sin is. But sin is wronging God. It's doing something against God. It's offending God. You know, one example of this, you may share this example with your friend at lunch. You may say, you know, there was a, there was a king named David in Israel a long time ago. And David had a relationship with God. And he knew God's ways and what God wanted him to do. But David decided to go his own way and sin. And he decided to um, have sex with another man's wife. And then have her husband killed. And then David was confronted about his sin. And David responds by writing uh, Psalm 51. Now I want you to listen to what he says in Psalm 51 about what he did. 
In verses 3 and 4, this is what he says. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. So David recognizes what I did was wrong. I have sinned. But then listen to what he says in verse 4. He's talking to God. He says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now, clearly David had done something wrong against Bathsheba and something wrong, obviously, against Uriah, her husband. He had had him killed. But ultimately, what makes something sin is when you do something against God. And that's exactly what David recognized here is my sin, even when it wrongs other people, ultimately I'm accountable to God for that. And I have sinned against God, he says. And it's interesting, you know, Romans 3.23 in the New Testament, uh, you may share this verse with your friend. You say, you know, what Paul teaches us is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which means that we've all wronged God. We've all built our life on something other than God. So yes, we've all done individual acts of sin, but we've actually living a life of sin. We are sinful people. We are uh, apart from God and how we are conducting ourselves. And so you tell your friend, you know, it's good that you're concerned about this question. How do you get to heaven? Uh, Because the fact that we've all wronged God, you don't want to die being at odds with God. You don't want to die in your sin. Now let's consider your second question. How does the death of Jesus make it possible for us to be forgiven? And this is a wonderful question you tell your friend. Uh, And then you look back at 1 Corinthians 15, 3, and it says, Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Now, that last line, in accordance with the Scriptures, explains how the death of Christ for our sins makes it possible For us to be forgiven. Because from the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, leading all the way up to the cross of Christ, God had promised to to give us a remedy for our sin, an ultimate remedy for our sin. And that remedy is found in the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. He is the one who fulfilled that promise of God. And so this is. Somewhat how it works. I can't give you great detail. But somehow, someway, God allowed our sins, as well as all the sins of the people that came before us, as well as all the sins of the people that will come after us, God allowed that sin to be placed upon Jesus in such a way that Jesus could pay the penalty for that sin. Here's how Paul describes it in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Listen to what he says. He says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. So in other words, you who were in sin. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. You know, we need forgiveness. And God made that possible. Well, how do you do it? Verse 14. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, 
This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So, I can't explain every detail and how that worked out and how God did that. But I do know this. You share this with your friend. You say, I do know this. In God's economy, every man and woman has a debt that they are unable to pay on their own. Now, you may try to pay your debt in a variety of ways with a variety of types of, of currency. You know, you may use the currency of morality. You may the, use the currency of generosity. You may use the currency of sacrifice, even of suffering. You may even use the currency of good deeds. But in God's economy, there is only one currency that is accepted for payment on this side of the grave. And that currency is Jesus Christ. That is how God has accomplished the forgiveness of our sins. He, you know, Jesus is the only one that can pay that debt that we owe and make us alive to God. There's no one else. I mean, there's just no other form of payment. There's no other currency we can use that is sufficient. And so... 1 Corinthians 15, 3 says, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. In other words, he's the one. He's the one who has accomplished payment. He's the only one that is the provision, God's provision for our sin. Now, I know that was a lot. You tell your friend, so you stop talking for a minute. And you see his wheels are turning. He's processing all this. And after a brief pause... You continue because you say, well, there are some other truths that you need to know as well in order to go to heaven when you die. Yes, you need to acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you have wronged God and you need God's forgiveness. Uh, You need to believe that Jesus died for your sins. He's the only provision for our sin. He's the only one that can pay the price. But you also need to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 state the following. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And you explain to your friend that it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us assurance that what Jesus accomplished on the cross was sufficient. Because if Jesus would have stayed dead then you would still be looking for another payment for your sin. If he stayed dead, then we would still have a sin problem to deal with. And so his resurrection gives us assurance, gives those who have faith in Jesus assurance that Jesus will complete what he has begun. You know, Jesus uh, promised that he will come back, that he will judge the world, and that he will renew creation. And the fact that he was raised from the dead and he's alive gives us assurance that he will, in fact, do those things. So Jesus not only died for our sins, but he was raised from the dead, conquering the power of sin and death. And so this enables those of us you know, who trust in Jesus not only to have our sin forgiven, but we also can be assured that we will go to heaven. In other words, that we will be with God in the life to come. And in fact, that we will have actually a relationship with God right now that will continue in the life to come.
So you take a breather at lunch and start woofing down your food because you haven't been able to eat much, even though your friend is done with their plate. So you take some time to finish your meal and you take a few sips of your water. Your friend kind of gathers his thoughts and he asks one more question. He says, so let me see if I heard you correctly. He says, okay, you said everyone is a sinner. Everyone is wrong, God. You said that Jesus died for our sins, meaning that he did what was necessary to make it possible for us to be forgiven by God and be made right with God. You said that Jesus was raised from the dead, which gives Christians assurance that what he did on the cross was sufficient. And you said that if I trust in Jesus, then I can be forgiven of my sins and be assured that I have a relationship with God both now and that will continue into the life to come. Is that correct? Remember, you're trying to woof down your food, so you just kind of nod. Yes, that, that is correct. You say, you kind of mumble after you swallow your food. That's a very good summary. You just gave me a great summary of what I just said. Then he says, well, that sounds like pretty good news. And you say, well, in fact, it is good news, and the Bible calls it that. The Bible calls it the gospel, which means good news. It's the news about what Jesus has accomplished for us to make us right with God. It is the gospel. It is the good news. Then you say to him, well, I, I, now I have a few questions for you. Okay, as we kind of finish up our lunchtime, I do have a couple questions I want to ask you. The first question is this. If you were to die tonight, on a scale from zero to 100%, how sure are you that you would go to heaven? And you explain to him, I know you mentioned earlier that you were concerned, you know, what would happen to you if you die? Well, if you were to die, how sure are you that you're going to heaven? Will you go to heaven? Zero to hundred percent. He says, maybe 70%. I'm about 70% sure. What would you all say? Think about that. I want you to think about what you would say to that question. If you died tonight, how sure are you that you're going to heaven? Zero to 100%. Your friend said 70. And then you follow up with this question. You say, okay. If you were to die and stand before God. Obviously this is hypothetical, but you stand before God and he says to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? Your friend looks at you and he says, that's a more difficult question than just giving you a number. And you're like, I know. Well, just think about it. I mean, if you stood before God, what would you tell him? Why should you get into heaven? And your friend says what some of you may even say. And what I've heard many people say. Well, I try to be a good person. And then you realize, okay, you've, you've explained the gospel to your friend, but he hasn't understood the gospel yet. You've explained it, but he hasn't quite understood it yet. Um, 
So I want you to think about what you would say. I mean, if you stood before God and He asked you, why should I let you into heaven? Each of you, what would you say? I mean, would you be like your friend at lunch? I'm a pretty good person. I try to be a good person. I haven't killed anybody. That's a popular one. And we're like, that's good. Let's continue that trend, especially right now. Um, don't want that to happen. But think about what you would say. I mean, what, what would get you into heaven? Well, you realize he doesn't quite understand um, what it means to be in a right relationship with God. He still kind of thinks his goodness is a currency that God accepts. And so as the waitress comes and collects the payment for lunch, you look at your friend, you quote to him, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. And this is what it says. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and He was raised on the, on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So you remind Him, you know, the only currency that God accepts is the payment that Jesus made for us on the cross. That's the only payment that God accepts. The only currency He accepts in His economy. You remind Him that the only way you can be made right with God to go to heaven, to be assured that you will be with God in the life to come, is through faith in Jesus. You remind him that if he has faith in Jesus as his Lord and Savior, then he will be saved. Meaning, he will have a relationship with God both now and forever. Meaning, if you die tonight, you can be 100% sure you're going to heaven. Because you have Christ. And 1 John tells us, if you have the Son, you have the life. If you do not have the Son, you do not have the life. So it's all about, do you have the Son? And if God were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? You would tell them, just like everyone who gets into heaven will tell him. It's only because of what you have done for me through your Son, Jesus Christ, that I could get into heaven. It's all what he did, nothing what I've done. It's all about your provision for me, not what I've done for you. That's the only reason I'm here and I'm coming in. That's the only way I'm getting in to heaven. The only way I can be made right with God, the only way I can have a relationship with God, the only way I can be forgiven of my sin and be in right standing with God, both now and for eternity, is through Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. And that is what 1 Corinthians 15, 1-11 is all about. Paul is reminding them of the gospel. Remember, brothers, the gospel which I've given to you. This is of first importance. This is the most important thing, foundational truth that you must not get wrong. That is the gospel. So now our lunch time's over. Okay. And let me ask you two questions now as a church. First question I want to ask you is this. If your friend asked you how they could go to heaven, would you be able to tell them? Yeah, would you be able to share the gospel with them? And if not, 
Y'all want to encourage you to spend some time this week going back over 1 Corinthians 15. Paul does a great job there just summarizing the gospel. Uh, listen to this sermon again. You can do that online through our website uh, or YouTube. Just listen back through it and see if you're tracking with it, if you can uh, explain that to someone. Because here's, here's the issue. If you can't share the gospel, you may not understand the gospel. And if you don't understand the gospel, you may not believe the gospel. And so I want to make sure you know the gospel, what it is, so that one, obviously you can believe it for yourself and be made right with God, but also so that you can share it with those around you. Second question I want to ask you is a question I would ask my friend at lunch as we closed our time together. And that question is this. Have you believed the gospel? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? And I'll say to you, you know, if, if anyone in here, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin... And receive the gift of eternal life with God. Then I want to challenge you to make that decision today. And I was thinking about this. If I were to make that decision today. If I did not know Christ. And I heard the gospel. And I wanted to become a Christian. A follower of Jesus. I want to be made right with God. What would I tell God? What would I pray? And this is what I would pray. I would pray this. I would tell God this, Lord Jesus, I admit that I've been living my life apart from you. I now recognize that I'm a sinner and that forgiveness can only be found in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I desire that you become my Lord and Savior. Lord, and that I want to follow you and Savior, and that you are the only one who can give eternal life. I now turn to you and ask that you come into my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. That's what I would tell God. So if you've never made that decision this morning, I want you to make that your prayer. And I want to invite you to make that decision right now as I repeat it aloud. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I admit that I've been living my life apart from you. I now recognize that I'm a sinner and that forgiveness can only be found in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And Jesus, I desire that you become my Lord and Savior. Lord, and that I want to follow you. And Savior, and that you're the only one who can give eternal life. I now turn to you and ask that you come into my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you made that decision today, I want to encourage you to share it with the person you came to church with this morning because. We want to come alongside you and we want to help you grow in your relationship with God. And so now let us stand.